I'm talking to songwriter and Limerick lady Emma Langford. Emma Langford was one of the artists who appeared on the cover of Dreams by the Cranberries with the Women in Harmony group in 2020. She also recently appeared on the Tommy Tiernan show where she performed her original song Birdsong. It's a weird kind of a time at the moment because like on the one hand it's quite busy there's a lot of a lot of projects kind of happening um really really fun ones but then also it's sort of this weird limbo space where i spend you know an hour three hours in a row just sitting in my pajamas scrolling and waiting for responses to emails and stuff so it's i suppose it's probably what a lot of people working in in any job in any normal (laughs) nine to five have to deal with as well it just feels amplified by being at home i think (laughs) yeah and i think um technology can become the screens can become quite overwhelming, like when we have, we're on social media and we're on numerous apps and then we have our emails and everything else, you know, so mm. it can become a bit, um, I don't know, like it's kind of surreal or something, do you know, you kind of feel like you don't know where you're at, it feels a bit yeah. straight, like it's very discombobulating. Is life real at the moment? <laughs> Absolutely. And how about yourself? Are you busy? Um, I'm busy teaching. Like I, I'm really lucky that it hasn't really affected my my work at all. I teach mm. um, a bit of singing and a bit of keyboard, like online. So oh, I only do one day a week at the minute because I went back to college last year. So right, yeah, I'm down in um, do you know the Cork School of Music? Oh, I know it well. I know it well. I have a few you friends do. from you from did there. a you did um, I seen that you did a degree and a master's, but I wasn't sure what it was in. Yeah, so I did in in the University of Limerick, I did um, in the academy there, I did the BA in what was called the BA Voice and Dance. And it's now called the BA Performing Arts. Um, Mm -hmm. And I specialised in voice, but had to do a degree of um, a certain amount of dance as well as part of that, which was interesting. Um, My personal hell in many ways, but interesting. (laughs) Um, And then I did a master's a couple of years after that in community music. So, yeah. Do you know Sai from that course, Banning I do, yeah. Myself and Sai have worked together loads. Yeah, I because I, I seen that she was on the Tommy Tiernan uh, mm. performance with you. And I know Sai, like we wouldn't have been friends or anything. I know her from Kildare back in the day when we were in school. Okay. She used to have this little rock band, like a little kind of a girl rock band. Yeah, um, she posted about it recently. It's so gassy. It's her from back then. It's so funny. I know. And like, I, I just remember like, like I never talked to her or anything back when I was a teenager, but I just remember like looking up to their band so much because I really wanted to have my own band. So Yeah. Well, that's so nice. That's lovely, isn't it? It's really important. Like I didn't have anyone really around me other than, I mean, I went to the same school as Dolores O'Riordan. So she was kind of a constant presence in different mm-hmm. ways in my life growing up. But yeah. she was also very alien to what I was doing musically in that I wasn't doing a whole lot, but when I was doing anything, it was very folky, songwritery kind of thing. So I don't yeah. know, there was a disconnect there and I didn't have anyone, like there were no bands in my school. There was the orchestra, which was again, just nothing close to what I was looking at, kind of looking for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's lovely to have someone a couple of years ahead of you in school who's doing something like that. I loved to have seen something like that in Limerick. Oh, it was brilliant. Like, um, we used to have, like, at the Arts Centre, used to host Battles of the Bands and, like, just different, like, events for underage um, bands and stuff. Mm. Then they stopped doing it all because they wanted, like, kind of a slightly posher audience to come into their... their (laughs) It was really sad because it was, like, kind of our only place to go and, like, they stopped all the skaters from, like, skating outside the building and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think something like that is really needed for... for Mm people who want to do that side of things like oh, definitely yeah like yeah. in Limerick we had um we had this cafe called Java's well there's a few different variations on Java's there was Java's in town which was where I spent most of my teen years dossing um and it's where all like the alternative emo kids would go mostly um and then the kind of the goths and the the metalers and stuff would hang out outside HMV just on Cruises Street they just all con- congregate there or like there was a, a clock um, up in one of the squares in Limerick they'd all gather and they just hang out and talk and like someone would always bring a guitar and I'd, I'd always kind of I'd observe them but I quite liked the Java scene because it was somewhere I could just sit quietly and like play chess mm. and read books and drink hot chocolate and stuff it was really nice but yeah, yeah teens teens need those spaces like you really do somewhere you can just be creative and express yourself there's not Definitely. there's not too many of them and you obviously were were you songwriting before you went to college and all of that like did you when did you start? Yeah, um, I've been songwriting for 
so I think my first, my, like the first song I wrote was in secondary school. It was a really bad Irish love song, like very, <laughs> very bad. There was this, um, I went to a school in Nimerick called Laurel Hill and um, the, there was a, a Little Miss Laurel Hill pageant. Uh, I think no for way. Just first years I got to enter it. And I like, I really didn't want to go for it, but also I was like, I should though, shouldn't, like I should go for this. Mm. I should do this because I'm weird. And maybe if a weird kid goes for it, it'll be good. Yeah. Um, so I wrote this really bad song, um, and played it really poorly on the guitar at that. And I don't think I got past like the first round or something. (laughs) Um, and then I fell madly in love with this guy I met while I was in secondary school and I wrote a song about him. Yeah. Um, and I was about, what would he, I would have been 15, 16, maybe. And that was my first foray into it. And then after that, yeah, it was kind of. I mean, it was kind of college before I really got stuck back into writing. I think it was the first time I'd, I'd kind of experienced, well, no, I'd, I'd had a lot of really interesting experiences before I started college, but I found myself becoming the person I was actually intending to be in college kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you go to college straight after school? No, I took a year out. I went away and... um I worked as a street fundraiser for a year and I became a manager um, with the company I was in. Um, And we traveled around the country, uh, so a different county every two weeks. Um, And then I was with them for six months, uh, maybe a little bit longer, and met my then boyfriend through that company. And we moved to Galway together and lived in this really dodgy house. that was like it was very like different people lived there like every week it was really weird um and I worked in a toy shop and he worked in a cafe and he was from New Zealand and his visa was about to expire so I booked a flight um I I decided I was going to be a hairdresser and I (laughs) uh booked a flight booked paid paid my visa everything and arranged to go to New Zealand with him and that I came home to Limerick uh, before I was due to head off. Um, we traveled around Europe for like two months together. Then I came home to Limerick to save a bit of money before I was about to head off to New Zealand. And while I was home, I went out to the university to hang out with some old friends. And just, they were part of like this drama camp during the summer or something. Mm-hmm. And they were all just hanging out and having the crack and people of all ages from all different nationalities and creeds. Um, I just got stuck in and we had sing songs and sessions every night and... I fell in love with the idea of going back to college mm. and the relationship fell apart. And uh, I just decided I, I needed to kind of pursue whatever this was. And that was sort of the start of of me becoming, I had applied for the courses. I did the CAO, I did the auditions and everything. And I got my first choice of the BA voice and dance. And I was mm. like, actually, I don't think I want to be a musician. I want to be a hairdresser instead <laughs> and travel the world with my Kiwi fiance. Um, That's gas. And, uh, and, and yeah, that, that year was kind of the, the breaking point where I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe I actually should get an education and, and pursue music as, as a thing. Um, but I still didn't know I was going to be a musician. I just said I'd feed whatever this urge was basically. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us have gone on such a roundabout, like I'm 33 now. I know I look a bit younger. Yeah, <laughs> but I went, when you went back to college last year, like, you know, to do the degree, like I put off doing it for years, but like, I always kept going back and doing like diploma, like short diploma courses. Like I've done a few CPDs and stuff mm-hmm. like, like I went to BIM, I went to, I went to so many different colleges doing different courses. And then eventually I was like, I'm gigging full time. I'm teaching now. So I might as well go back and get the degree, like, you know, and just have yeah, that thing really. ticked off the list. So that's amazing. It's great when you can, um, when you're in a position to feed that kind of spark when it, when it happens, when you have a sense of like, this is something I want to investigate. There's something in me that needs kind of growth in this direction. So I'm just going to go and see where that takes me. It's so lovely being able to do that. Like it's, um, my mom is like a perpetual student. She's yeah. like always going back to college. She's really, really into science. Um, she started her degree in Cork back when she was 20 and then she met my dad and they fell in love and uh they dropped out of college before either of them got to finish their degrees because mom was pregnant with my older sister so Mm -hmm. um she's kind of gone back to college a few times since then to just pursue different areas she's done um 
what's this, uh, product design kind of stuff and material science. She's done bioengineering and all this kind of, it's just really, it's gorgeous when someone just goes after that kind of thing and wants to learn more. So important. Totally. Yeah, because you can, you can, you can do anything at any age if you want to do it. You don't have to just put your mind to it. Absolutely. Um, so I was going to ask you about like the tra- any like what training did you get when you were in college? As like when it comes to the voice, like what did you gain from college musically? So I've had a really interesting journey with my voice. Um, I lost it when I was twelve, um, to nodules, and so. I had been in every kind of choir, every stage school. I I was singing like 24-7 all the time at home, everywhere. And then I lost my voice uh, quite abruptly, I suppose, to my kind of memory. And I had to go through vocal therapy and vocal rehabilitation and a little bit of vocal training. So that took a couple of years, two, three years before I was ever able to kind of sing properly again. Uh, crazy it's so young I actually read that on your website I was like wow that's really interesting I'm sad to write that yeah it was it was um the any of the doctors I kind of they yeah they were shocked that someone my age had gotten them Mm. but I suppose it's probably it's probably on the rise like because kids more and more are kind of imitating the voices they hear on tv and online now Mm -hmm. and I'm sure it's always been happening but right now the kind of techniques you're hearing you know big belters and like pop singers using aren't always um necessarily the reality of their voice it, there's an awful lot of stuff that goes into the technology behind making a voice sound the way it does on a record um so I think it's happening more and more but yeah so I, I lost my voice and that's part of why I didn't go straight into college after school as well as I I really didn't think I would ever be able to pursue a career in music uh, wow so it took that long to kind of get your back on your feet with it yeah it was as much about confidence and security as it was about my actual abilities um and I still had quite bad technique and I, you know, it's, it's taken me a long time to still have to kind of call myself out and, and see when I'm, I am very prone to like tension um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and bad habits like uh, jutting my head out when I'm singing or speaking, that kind of stuff. So it's constantly just like watching stuff back. If I feel like I didn't perform something right, watching it back and seeing what I was doing. Um, and then when I went to college as part of my degree, I was actually really lucky. I had a couple of really, really great vocal coaches. So we had like, I think an hour or two hours a week with a vocal coach, um, Mary, oh, what's her second name? I feel so bad. I can't remember her second name. She was very, she was really, really great. I mean, she helped a lot. As well. <laughs> yeah. It's just the surnames. There's so, there's so many Mara's and Mary's and, and Mary's in my life. Um, but she was deadly and she really, really helped, uh, just kind of bringing back to basics sort of technique stuff and and figuring out you know you can you can express yourself through your voice in whatever way you want but if you don't have those kind of core techniques down you're not setting yourself up for success at all so you just have to kind of get yourself into the into the right place in all that stuff um and learning about um like even figuring out it's like learning an instrument, any instrument, learning piano or learning guitar, you're going to be able to achieve so much more with any instrument when you know how everything works. So figuring out placement and how yeah. that can impact like the emotion you're projecting through your voice, all this kind of stuff, um, the, using techniques like vibrato and all that kind of thing sparingly and and learning where it's efficient and effective to use is like mm. has was a, a revelation for me because I think I was very prone to just constant vibrato <laughs> all the time yeah. so that was uh that was great yeah because um, I was going to actually ask you about like how does your vocal the your understanding of your voice like your any training that you received um influence your your authentic voice or like kind of your personal style of singing and vice versa or how does your songwriting influence your voice do you know what kind of do those things inform how you sing yeah it's a combined approach I think so like it's about I think discovering folk and connecting with folk and trad as genres for me was about embracing my authentic voice so something I really love in folk and trad is how much it celebrates the, the the true voice the, mm. and the, the, the person and yeah everything about it is very much and you know then there's the, the far side of that where people kind of really put on an accent and really put on like a, a, a much more um 
maybe rough and ready voice than they strictly have, which is funny mm-hmm. to hear. Um, so yeah, it's about finding a balance, but it, it was a, it was a combination of getting the right technique down. So learning, uh, I think I had this really funny habit as well. Uh, uh, when I was like maybe 16, 17, the woman that did my vocal coaching when I got the nodules, she ran this masterclass, this vocal masterclass um, in Limerick at one point, And I went along to it and I wanted to do my funny Valentine as my song. So we all picked one song that we would work on for the week and then we'd record it at the end. And when I was singing it, I was doing all this real like stylized affectation, like physically, like bringing my shoulders up mm. to indicate the expression, the the emotion, using my body when it wasn't in my voice and I didn't have the technique to carry it off. Okay. So like learning to like keep your body very still and still try and deliver that same kind of emotion and then bring in any physical stuff you want if you really feel like you want to. But that needs to be complementary and like embodying the emotion is great but if your uh, diaphragm is not working and you're not supporting it with breath then you're fecked it's just, just going to fall flat and then when you're say you're when you're performing or even when you're in the studio recording um how do you plan your songs out emotionally do you like how would you landscape the songs or do you just go in and sing from the heart and see what happens or would you sit down and write it out on paper kind of where like what you want to do with your voice how how do I portray this type of anger how do I portray this type of sadness or whatever the the emotion is um that's a really good question I I don't think I map it um it's something I've learned to do I've done quite a bit of theatre in the past and it's something I learned to do with theatre where you kind of look through the sentence and find each word and find an emotion for each word and bring it up to 200% and then bring it right back kind of thing. It's a really cool approach. Not something I strictly use consciously, but I think maybe it's a thing of generally before I bring a song to studio, I've played it a million times already myself. I've recorded it on my phone. I've done it with the band. I've, you know, I've done it for... uh, a tv spot or a radio spot or whatever and I've listened back to it and kind of gone okay well I mean that that line is meant to have this significance and right now listening to it myself I'm not hearing that so what do I need to do um and then I do a bit of research and I listen to other people getting that impact you know I listen to how the likes of um Wallace Bird or um Janice she's she's fab she's an she's a really interesting person um vocally she she's such a belter like she's such a rock Mm -hmm. vocalist for someone who's supposedly kind of folk (laughs) she's very much a rock vocalist it's really cool um but yeah so I, I go away and I listen to the vocalist that I love and I I kind of try and pick apart what is it in the way they're delivering that line that really brings that feeling home and how mm-hmm. can I translate that into my voice? Cause I don't have the same voice. So how do I, how does that translate? Um, and, and then I try my best to, to do all those things without hurting myself, <laughs> without using yeah. poor technique. So it's, it's an old process, but yeah, going into studio is really, I mean, I, I work with two amazing producers as well. And like, I, I I learned in the past couple of years the real role of a producer is learning to draw something out of you that you're not getting yourself so yeah. like they'll listen to how I deliver a line and they'll go oh you I feel like you were smiling on this word the last time you sang that and it was really nice so mm. do you want to try it again and maybe just on that word just smile or, you know, on that word, whatever you were thinking about when you sang that line, think about that again. Like if you want to put pictures up in front of you, whatever, do that. But you delivered that in such a beautiful way last time. So yeah. um, it's a it's a bit of a collaborative effort as well. And did you did you like uh, kind of hunt down a producer that was that had the experience working with vocalists in that way? Or did you just kind of happen to fall upon somebody that was very good at it? Because maybe not all producers are good at bringing out yeah um, the best in a vocal mm, yeah it's um you can get producers who are really good at getting the best technical take and that's amazing um but I think with my guys with Chris and Graham it was um I had to produce an album in like I think I had six months to produce my first album mm-hmm. um and I needed good guys who were not hugely expensive and could get something done in a tight turnaround 
Um, so I just put that out <laughs> on Twitter. I was like, look, these, these are the things I need to take off if I'm going to take someone on right now because I don't have the budget for a hugely expensive world-class. I'd love to have world-class, but I wound up getting world-class because the guys loved what I did and they were willing to kind of work with me and my budget, which was savage. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a combination of things. I had a load of um, references from people basically who all said, these are the guys you want to work with. These are the guys you want to work with. Yeah. And I think, yeah, just asking around is something I'll always recommend. Like if you hear, I didn't hear stuff they produced before, which is something I usually recommend to people. Like if you, mm -hmm. if you hear something you love and you find out who produced that, then maybe try and work with that person. But I hadn't, I hadn't done a huge amount of research. All I knew was people I trusted came to me and said, work with these guys so I just mm. I went with them and it was the best choice I could have made that was I love that I love like even if I'm like trying to pick a book for a book or something like that I love mm. just getting a recommendation because I get so overwhelmed with the amount of choice in in different areas in life sometimes I like when someone kind of recommends and kind of steers me in a direction because at least yeah. I know that it worked for them so it might work for me too you know absolutely I'm the exact same um and do you have a like any like a vote what's your vocal routine what's your kind of practice habits or what do you do to kind of keep your voice on form or kind of help kind of push the boundary with your voice or that kind of thing? There's a few things I do for basic care and like it's just the standard thing you hear from everyone, just lots of hydration and breathing exercises. Um, like being physically in good nick is good for your voice. Um, so I don't, I don't smoke. I don't drink too much usually. <laughs> um, I, you know, it hasn't been a problem in the past year, but generally speaking, I'll avoid crowded spaces, noisy spaces, and I won't, I won't talk in those spaces if I'm in them. Mm. Um, and I don't like, you know, I'll do my kind of podcast chats and, and radio chats, but generally speaking, I don't do long phone calls because I learned w with the nodules that a big part of what had hurt my voice was lots of very long phone calls because the way you speak when you're on the phone is totally different to how you'll speak to someone in person yeah you're you're emphasizing things more or your your body's in a state of tension that it's not in when you're physically with someone so all of those things um but then aside from that i have this one kind of 45 minute vocal warm-up that um my original vocal coach gave me um she took me on again when I was doing my master's as a, as a module, we did vocal mm -hmm. technique. Um, and just before I was about to go in and record my album, I was like, look, this is going to be an intensive time. I'm going to be physically stressed. I, I know that I'm going to be doing a lot of singing. There's going to be a lot of takes and I just need, I need a session with you just to get back to basics and figure out kind of what's going on. So she yeah. was really, really kind and let me record that session on my iPad and now before I'm about to do anything big with my voice I'll do that that warm-up I'll do it as often as I can really but um it's it's definitely a thing I'll come back to I'll make sure the iPad's charged up and I have access to that file if I'm ever doing um a session and those those warm-ups are like you need a bit of space and you need a bit of privacy to do them because they sound ridiculous I know yeah <laughs> they're ridiculous like people Tell are always about it. Like the, I, I, I was doing a show in UL and I had to do, I had to do this warm up backstage where there's no real privacy. Like there's little windows everywhere and everyone can hear and see everyone mm -hmm. in every room. Um, and I was doing this warm up and afterwards, uh, was it, was it UL or was it, it could have been somewhere else. I think it was UL. Um, and a couple of weeks later I was doing a show with Irla O'Lenard and he was talking about, oh, you know, I, okay. Cause we, he was on that same show with me as well. Um, mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, you know, you're backstage sometimes and you hear people doing like, you know, this operatic vocal warmups and it really, like, you know, and I was like, oh yeah, that was, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I know I was only going to do one song, but yeah, that was me. That was me. Um, so yeah, having a bit of, bit of space to do those is a privilege when you can get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I find even with my, some of my students, like, because they're, they're doing the lesson from on Zoom online, mm -hmm. they're like afraid to sing out because they know their family can hear them or they, their parent or their family is listening to them and like it's so hard it's one or two of them they're just so shy and they just don't want to sing out do you know so there's always that little bit of you kind of just have to have no no fear and just sing and not care but it yeah. is kind of hard sometimes oh it's really hard I totally I can totally appreciate as well because like I'm someone who doesn't really like to take up space like in any way if I can avoid it um mm -hmm. so like 
being in a house with people and making that much noise just for me feels really intrusive. So I'm yeah. trying to like contain myself, but at the same time, you have a job to do and this is part of your job. So you just have to kind of go for it and do it. Like, Yeah, I think when you get past a certain age, like you kind of just you kind of just have more self-confidence in yourself anyway you know it's different when you're a kid or a teenager like you know 100% um what was I going to ask you about so how important do you think voice training is for the likes of an artist like yourself who's performing gigging pretty much full-time you're you're doing like you did like uh, was it a hundred day tour you did is it a couple of years ago yeah yeah totally by accident that was 100 so the way I worked that out was I went on Imro and I had a look at the gigs I'd registered so that's just the gigs I'd registered <laughs> so yeah there were like weddings and charity gigs and random bits and pieces that I, I hadn't even made a note of in that number so yeah. it was it was about a gig a day for a year which is wow. a lot that's um, a lot. <laughs> I remember there was one day when I did like a, a wedding I did two weddings and a gig in between um one day and I was like yeah I was worn out I was really stretching myself thin but yeah I think I think vocal technique and vocal training is really really important and I don't mean that from a point of view of like every kid who ever wants to be a singer should have a vocal coach and should go to classes every week or anything it's just mm-hmm. a case of of going to someone once to get an assessment of of your voice and to see where you're, if, if you really the same as any sport any activity any job go to someone once get an assessment of where you're at and what you need to work on and it's just a case of having regular check-ins then you know and and keeping an eye on your on your voice and anything that might be weak protecting and anything that you're really really good at embracing and embellishing and working on and developing it you know um I think it's it's something that like oh I'm such a hypocrite like I'll always tell people you know if you're doing one song if you're doing a five minute set you still have to do a full warm-up and I don't and I always regret it afterwards if Mm. I don't do a warm-up before even doing one song because my voice isn't it's like going for a run and not warming up you're gonna hurt yourself like you're not gonna yeah. deliver what you hope to deliver or achieve what you hope to achieve so just, yeah you know set yourself up for success in any way you can absolutely like your voice isn't as flexible and kind of smooth you might have cracks where you don't want them to appear you know when you don't mm. do a warm-up but there's, there's many singers who don't who don't do anything like that, who don't do anything like that and don't have like a proper vocal routine and like they get away with it but like I'm sure like many of those singers have vocal issues like like this is the first famous person that comes to mind would be like Adele like she's had mm-hmm. crazy issues with her voice um you know and she's a professional singer touring the world you know but I think it is important to have some understanding of your voice so that so you can understand because I know when I started studying about um like vocal coaching and all of that my singing got better because I was able to kind of go oh yeah okay I didn't realize that that's why my voice is doing that I can mm. maybe change it and then get a better result yeah it's like finding superpowers like you kind of um you learn about these little um things within your kind of capacities you know like I remember um the first time I learned the difference between you know head and chest voice and there was stuff I was doing vocally anyway like jumping between chest and head voice in in a in a word or in a line whatever that was you know um at a glance technically impressive but when I actually learned how that works and and what it means to do that and and how you can do it safely repeatedly it meant it improved exponentially and Mm -hmm. I actually felt it when it was happening um yeah and there's an even like being in choirs growing up was the most valuable thing I could have done for myself especially when they're led by someone who really knows what they're talking about Mm-hmm. So you can get, you know, you can get choir leaders who are just people in the community who love to sing. And that's great as well. But if you get yeah. leading a choir who is a vocal coach or who really understands the voice and, and what it can do, it means the world. Like uh, There's a few songs I've done and they have these moments of like really pianissimo, just really still, um, quiet kind of a delivery of a word or a line. And learning mm-hmm. to do that without vibrato, um, the kind of breath control that you need to be able to carry a line like that was just a massive like epiphany for me. That was huge. Yeah, I think singing in choirs is actually so, such a valuable um, experience for any singer because, you know, you learn so much about harmony and 
blending and mm. you know it's, it's a great community um spirit as well you know so that's kind of obviously good for mental health and there's just so many benefits of working with groups yeah I'd say it's something people are really missing at the moment I miss being in a really good choir like when I was a teenager I was in so many of them and they did so much for my self-esteem as well just being in a group of like-minded people just singing together is incredible but like I've done I've done one zoom choir session uh, during lockdown with a group in Donegal who wanted to learn one of my songs and mm. I could just feel that they were all really missing just being in a room together you know you could, yeah. it's great being able to do a zoom and kind of have a chat and have the crack or whatever but there's like there's proven like loads and loads of research around the value of singing in a choir with a group of people and like if you can't physically do it it's just it's just not the same obviously it's still brilliant you can do it but it's not the same no, it's not the same and it never will be. But yeah, it is nice to have something to cling on to, you know. Mm. And like, obviously, with, with with COVID and everything, all live gigs and everything have stopped. But like, you've actually been, you've had actually quite a busy year despite all of that. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the different gigs and things that you've been involved in over the year and collaborations? Yeah, it's been a bit mad, actually. Like, I kind of expected this to, it to be a really restful time. I thought maybe I would just sit back. I'd use this time to do a bit of research. I'd applied for a bunch of, like, um, residencies and retreats to do some research into different things. Um, and I, you know, when, when all, everything fell through and, and the, the proverbial hit the proverbial, um, I, I, I did think I'd be able to kind of just stay at home and, and do that reading myself and maybe learn a bit of piano and all this kind of, and none of that transpired. None of that happened. I just wound up getting these, these things come my way. So everyone, everyone decided, oh, everyone else must be really bored. So let's all come up with things to keep them busy. <laughs> I was like, no, I actually would like to be bored for like five minutes. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, obviously, you know, you can't turn down work when it comes your way. So I got a few lovely collaborative opportunities with, you know, the Irish Women in Harmony. Um, so so we released two singles in 2020 and have a potential album in the pipeline for this year, which is amazing. So it'll be a bit of co-writing, which I haven't done much of. It's very daunting, but mm. it'll be interesting. Um, and then aside from that, I kind of set up my own uh weekly sessions for 10 weeks during the first lockdown where I brought artists on and we did like a little bit of an interview about what's going on in their life and and how they were finding lockdown at the time and uh we had a theme every week so we I'd play a whole bunch of songs I was on for like two hours every night um oh, wow. and then the artists would come on and they would do a song based around that theme as well um, and we dedicate each session to a different charity. So we wound up raising like 10 grand for charities over the course of the sessions, which was really, really cool. And yeah. it kept people company. And in the comment sections, there was a little community growing as well, which is fab. Um, and then just a bunch of really cool kind of TV and radio opportunities happened as well, which, you know, yeah. stuff that came my way that like, I I don't know if it would have necessarily happened were it not for everyone being in lockdown. Um, yeah. Silver lining. Just watching RTE over the Christmas and that, I've really noticed that there's so much support for Irish music um, on RTE. And I don't know if that's always been the case or is it just like magnified this year because of lockdown? What do you think of that? Yeah, I think definitely there's been a huge boost in the kind of support that's being shown. It's really nice to see. It's high time it happened. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people behind the scenes, there's some brilliant women behind the scenes that are pushing for better representation of Irish artists, of women in music. You know, there's there's these different kind of champions behind the scenes that are really, really pushing for it, which is brilliant. Um, and yeah, I just hope, I hope RTE and I hope, you know, the various uh, bodies that are making things happen, keep this going outside of lockdown because I know I've seen loads of artists get a really needed boost out of it um yeah. in terms of like public profile um and and just I suppose just the the personal sort of self-esteem boost that is needed from getting a platform with national media like that's huge so yeah. it's been um yeah it's been it's been a really wonderful 12 months for that but you're right, there definitely has been a, like RTE have upped their game. Um, yeah. They need like a dedicated Irish music show, realistically. Completely. Like I just, I couldn't believe it when I, to be honest, watching RTE or like, I was like, I don't remember this much support and especially for like younger and newer acts as well. 
Do you know, like, I felt like in the past RTE would have the same acts on that have always been on every year at Christmas time and all the rest, you know, and mm. it, that's fine. We want to see that too, but we want a nice, diverse selection of artists. We want to see the new music and, you know, what people are doing now and how the scene is changing. And like, even like the likes of yourself, like you're, you're quite traditional kind of style. Like you're, 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 um, your music is quite traditionally influenced, which I think is so lovely and it's really kind of refreshing to hear a younger voice coming out with something like that. Mm. Now, yeah. you know. But um, it it is nice. It's nice to get a chance to be part of what can sometimes feel like a very closed circle. Mm-hmm. Um, with the tradition, it's very precious and it should be. It's very precious. It's very sacred. It's very protected. Um, and as someone who, I suppose, from song to song, I dabble in different styles. It's For me, it's about kind of what I'm absorbing from the world around me. Mm. So I'm always very conscious that I'm I'm a little bit of an intruder in the traditional and folk world in that I'm not a purist. Um, and I can totally appreciate the desire for those people who are purely folk, purely trad, and really embrace the culture and tradition. Um, but I am finding it really, really lovely being included and introduced to that world and it not being a feeling of, oh, well, you haven't been doing this all your life, so you're not allowed to do it at all ever kind of thing. Um, the likes mm-hmm. of Temple Bar Trash have been, like I, I posted a, a big long blog on my Patreon last night because uh, I'll be part of Temple Bar Trad Fest this year in a couple of different ways. But um, the, the first thing I'm doing is a, a, a virtual broadcast from Dublin Castle on the 28th fantastic with um yeah it's gorgeous like it's with Donal Lunny, Andy Irvine and Fiekna Brain on wow. so three kind of icons of the Irish well Fiekna is in his own way he's he's folk and trad but Hothouse Flowers are obviously kind of trad rock <laughs> it's pretty yeah. big um but to be part of like I put up this blog post and it was basically saying like I went along to I played one show in 2018 with Aoife Scott she does these uh, secret circle sessions um, as part of Tradfest most years so she asked me to be part of that and I went along and I knew that a lot of the American bookers for different festivals go to these things so I was like you know what this is the year I really want to go to America I really want to go so I, I went and I was rocking up to the church for my sound check and I saw all these people in their various Irish festival hats and t-shirts and merch standing around outside the entrance just kind of chatting and mingling and stuff and I walked up to them and had my guitar in my back my back so they obviously knew I was about to go into sound check mm-hmm. made my introductions whatever and they were like um we were just talking shite you know like the usual crack and uh at one point I mentioned my mother and one of them was like oh who's your mom and I was like she's my ma- mom <laughs> and then it, it twigged at me like oh okay because like it's run by Aoife Scott Mary Black is part of it Francis is part of it mm. you know you've got Sheila all these like big names from the Irish folk and trad world who are part of these dynasties were all on the lineup and I was the only person on the lineup that wasn't known wasn't okay. part of one of these dynasties or anything and these guys were like oh who's this who's this person she's new what who's her mom kind of thing yeah um and that was really interesting for me to kind of walk into that world and see that that's the expectation and to be in a position to kind of break it, you know? Yeah. To kind of go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not part of that, but I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to, to celebrate this. And I, I want to travel around the world and share what we as Irish people have to offer musically. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's lovely to get a chance now to, to grow that and to experiment and explore it. I think, a good example of someone who has done it in the past is Noreen Nirian, who is an, an amazing Shannos singer, but she's not, um, you know, fourth generation part of the mm-hmm. tradition. She sort of, she moved to the Gaeltacht with Michal Asuluan, um when they were young and she learned and she, you know, immersed herself and really invested her time and her energy in in learning about the tradition and mm. embodying it and then bringing it to other people and she gets a little bit of I, I, you know there's people who've kind of said you know she you know she did she's not really it's not 100 pure trad shannos kind mm. of stuff and i'm like yeah but you know she introduced me to it in a lot of ways and and yeah. that's so valuable but isn't like isn't music always evolving why not allow it to stay evolving and you know, that way as well, 
you're going to you're going to invite a wider audience in to yeah. enjoy it and to kind of learn about it and you know spread awareness about it yeah absolutely I think it's um something like it's really worth obviously having those people the collectors out there the archivists who are keeping a record of of how things were how they originated and, and bringing that to people like, like listening to the original Shannos singers even the way the language has changed like the Irish mm-hmm. language has evolved so much and the way they sing it and and the, the tradition with Shanno singing of um it's called Cos Auron. So it's literally to turn a song and a Shanno singer would close their eyes and they'd hold the hand of the person next to them mm. and they'd wind their hand while they're singing. And okay. it's kind of got its roots in the like, you know, working tradition of of how Shannos would have happened and just beautiful old things that you don't see too much anymore. And I really, I, I, I have huge respect for that and love for it. And I'd love to see it happen more. But as you say yourself, every genre evolves. Every genre has its its offshoots. And I think you can, I love the the appendage of new. So new folk, new rock, new trad, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Adding that to, to a genre, I think is totally an acceptable way of kind of going, you know, this isn't 100% the pure form of the tradition, but it's an interpretation of it and it's a celebration of it. And I love hearing, you know, the likes of Rady Pete, who's the the vocalist for Lancome. Um, she has she's got such a wonderful way of honoring and celebrating the tradition while bringing it into a modern context. And mm. vocalists like that are so interesting. Like it's it's cool to hear someone who's got it in their bones. You know, it's in their DNA. Um, yeah, it's it's just beautiful to hear it. But there's a place for that, and there's a place for for everything else as well. Do you know, I'm just getting thought coming into my head there about um, I was first thinking that it'd be cool to see like maybe some kind of gig or something or maybe even an album where it was like the evolution of traditional music. Mm. Um, and then I then popped into my head about, you know, pentatonics, the way they yeah. did like they do like the evolution of like different genres or they do the evolution of a specific artist. It'd be cool to see something like that for trad and like have it starting right you know, back at the roots and like seeing it evolve, either like a gig or or something like that, I think it'd be a really nice way to kind of catalogue yeah. and to display the kind of evolution of the, the genre. Yeah, it really would be deadly. It's um it's something I love to see happen is the the hybridization, the fusion of like Mihal Osulawan did a fabulous job of it. He would learn, he you know, he had this huge knowledge of Irish traditional music. The way he played was outside of the outside of the tradition. Um but he would sample in these little snippets of traditional riffs and tunes into these epic pieces on the piano just mm. gorgeous stuff and the gloaming do a beautiful job of it as well of having Irlo Leonard's voice which is this real traditional vocal over these stunning soundscapes and electronic parts and it's yeah I think there is definitely scope for someone to come out and 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 show that development it's um yeah, I think it'd be really cool to see yeah um what else was I going to say um the gig um <laughs> I'm having a blank now what's it called um, <laughs> comedian oh Tommy Hearnan <laughs> Tommy Hearnan I got Mike Rice do you know Mike Rice <laughs> yes oh, the famous God. Irish tv show the Mike Rice show oh yeah yeah <laughs> you'd be delighted Jesus um so to Tommy Tiernan show, which is the most kind of recent gig I think you've done, um, mm. was an amazing gig to get. How did that come about? How did that come about? <laughs> My words are not working now. One of those days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how did that come about? That was a funny one. Um, uh, last year, at some point, this woman followed me on Instagram and I didn't know who she was, but she looked really interesting. So I followed her back. Mm. <clears throat> she's doing a lot of this really interesting kind of uh life coaching sort of stuff on her Instagram which I loved I thought it was really really um just it, it connected with what, what I was trying to do at the time yeah um so then I went on Twitter and I said I put out a tweet saying I just want to put it out there I want to be on the Late Late Show this year I want to I want to sing one of my own songs on the Late Late Show this year and then I followed mm-hmm. that up with I would also be entirely amenable to playing on the Tommy Tiernan show or Jules Holland just want to put my songs out there into the world on one of those big national TV shows and everyone was like yeah yeah let's get him on the Tommy Tiernan show let's get him on the Late Late Show this kind of stuff um, and a couple, I think it was a couple of weeks later I got a, an email or a message from 
this woman I had followed on Instagram saying, hey, I'm a researcher for the Tommy Tiernan show. I'd love to have a chat with you about maybe doing a guest slot on the show at some point. Um, now, I don't know if she was following me on Twitter or if she saw my tweet or what happened, yeah. but um, I'd basically been working my arse off putting like putting the album together and getting it out there and uh, myself and my PR Louise Barker had been just doing a load of work to get the digital footprint kind of growing and <laughs> and moving um and uh, I suppose a combination of putting out into the universe what it was I actually wanted being honest about the very specific thing I wanted um and engaging with people so like yeah. I didn't know who this woman was but I still followed her and responded to her content and and I loved everything she was saying and just connected with it um and then I guess their research team were on the lookout for who they were going to have for the next season anyway so uh, a combination of factors um came together to mean that I wound yeah. up uh, recording for the Tommy Tiernan show which was class um yeah, it's a show so I love like the format of it is brilliant it's just... He's such a gas interviewer, isn't he? Like, mm, yeah. he's kind of like the worst interviewer, but it so works. Mm, yeah, so like, he's so awkward. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he just he just has a conversation with people. He just connects mm. with them on a on a very real level. Like, and yeah. I love that he doesn't strictly know who they are, and they know he's not going to know who they are. Um, it's it's a brilliant format. I just mm. think it's so refreshing, and it's much closer to the Irish psyche than any other chat show is. Like, yes, I agree. I think the Irish psyche, what we love to do is we love to sit in a pub and turn to the person next to us and have a chat with them. Yeah. Like, and not have any idea who they are and get to know them and become best friends. Like that's what we love doing. Yeah. So the Tommy Tiernan show gets that and puts it on TV and makes a great crack. <laughs> I just think it's perfect. Yeah. So, uh, yeah I, that's I, what it is because it's not so produced. It's not so like he he's not like he's not trying to do things in a, in a certain way or be proper about it. He's just being himself, like, which I think is really authentic. Yeah. And like, while the people who are on the show might have something coming up or something interesting happening in their lives, the show isn't a plug, which I think is really nice. You don't feel like you're being sold anything. You're just mm -hmm. getting to know these people that you maybe have never heard of before. And I like as well that they're quite unpredictable in their choice of guests. So like having the Begley's on that a lot of people in Ireland wouldn't have known about who are amazing mm -hmm. trad musicians from Kerry, having the the psychologist or the psychiatrist and his daughter, uh, yeah. the, the two doctors on like, they were, amazing, <laughs> like they were so funny. Yeah. And then uh, and then having Sinead on who can just open people's eyes. Like th their choice of guests for that show is just so great. So um, so yeah, it was, it was cool to get to do. It was scary as well because so they asked me what I wanted to do and I said I want to do birdsong and they were like cool that'll just be you so doing that and I was like no 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 I want all the vocalists from the album and I want the dancer from the music video to do it with me and they were like okay um I don't know if we're going to be able to get all of you and I was like oh, that's that's what I want yeah I'm sorry that's what I want to do if, if you want me to tell you what I want that's what I want so I will you know I'll revise my ideas, if that's not possible, but I would love the opportunity to celebrate the people who made this album possible. Um, so I love it. that you brought them with you. I love that you experience with them. I, I, I owe them so much. Like they're all, everyone I chose to be on that track or involved in the music video are all people whose work I admire so much and who have inspired me like for years. So I just, it was like the very least I could do to, to like have them along with me for the crack. Um, and then on the day of the show, of the recording for the show, we'd never sung the song together before. So yes. they all had to record their parts separately um, for the album because they were all just at home recording. So they didn't mm -hmm. come into the studio with first. Um, the song so is, is just, I have, I've had it in my head, like, oh my God, since I heard it on the Tommy Tieran show, I was keep, keep on singing it in my head. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, it's, it's gas because it was the one I was the least sure about on the album. Like I, I, wasn't sure I was going to put it on the album or how we were going to do it at all. And the producers were like, no, no, this is, this is great. This is going to be the first track on the album. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but on the day of recording, we all had to stand two meters apart uh, with plastic partitions between us in a room that was all, so we weren't all facing each other rehearsing. We all had to stand in a line facing away from each other. Um which is really hard. In a line like, facing away from each other. Yeah, so like, yeah. 
that's awkward like it's so hard it's kind of you miss that kind of communication aspect of it yeah like the phrasing the breathing every moment of that song is all about like stamina and feeding off the energy of the person around you like the the way it was written the, the reason I wrote it the way I did is it's based on women sitting around a table communicating and singing mm. together like up close and personal so having to perform it like that was so unnatural and so hard yeah. um and like you can't I can't you can't hear each other like you don't all you can hear is like when someone's line ends and finishes and then starts for the next line or whatever so that's all we were going off so you're hoping it's all going okay like <laughs> yeah like yeah. the thing is you're with any kind of group singing like that it's all about the quality of the vocal as well so all I could do is kind of give them tips before going in kind of going okay look this is what I want you to channel this is what I want you to think about this is the energy I want you to try and capture when you're singing but I can't go around to you one to one and listen to you singing it so we're just gonna have to hope for the best and yeah yeah see what happens all that all that all those pitfalls in place it still turned out really really great so yeah I'm I'm only thrilled with it I was going to ask you about a little bit about about I obviously know now just from you telling me that the singers that performed live with you were the singers that sang on the actual um, recorded version of it as well um so my question would be then when you're choosing different artists and singers to work with how do you choose them and also do you send lead sheets do you like did you have to send them if you were like picking a singer that you hadn't that didn't know your song would you would you send lead sheets or would you send recordings or how does how does that work you know for like session work if you have a session vocalist coming in to do do a collaboration with you Mm, yeah I haven't done a whole lot of that kind of work just yet um on this album um I chose those vocalists for that song because they all had very distinct sounds so um they all brought something very different and a really Mm powerful uh female energy to the song which was really important to me um and then with other vocalists on the album so the the only other female vocal on the album is Jessica Lean and that was a a vetting process by my producers so we sat down together we went through Instagram and YouTube and Spotify and went through a bunch of different singers um to list to, to, to kind of see who had the right quality for what we were looking to achieve. So it's not strictly someone who sounds like me, but someone who captures an element of my voice that I'm not fully getting out there myself. Okay, for the I hear you. So like there's some gorgeous yep. low harmonies on certain songs on the album that Jess just nailed. She has this beautiful mm-hmm. kind of um, smoky quality to her voice when she's in that low range. That's just that's yeah. perfect. So that was kind of our process there. But it's something I really kind of noticed when I was looking for singers for that, people don't put enough content out. Like, yes, it's I'm guilty of it myself. <laughs> I, I, I literally have to have, I've had this conversation so a lot over the last few months about singers and like even like voice coaches and stuff like that. We, none of us put out enough material so like when you go to check out someone's page they, they don't really have much on their page mm. and I don't know I know for me it, it's definitely a fear thing it's definitely like oh I'm afraid I don't want it to be like, imperfect but I made a promise to myself at the end of last summer that I was just gonna I was not gonna say no to myself anymore if I want to do something I'm gonna do it mm. and I'm gonna put it out even if it's not perfect and then hopefully that will inspire other people to do the same do you know because yeah. I feel like we hold back from putting ourselves out there and then that stops yep. us from getting work at, at the end of the day you know absolutely yeah no there's a few people that I went looking at on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and I just I could not find any clear like not it doesn't have to be studio quality but just clear like go into a room with a nice go into your toilet like yeah. nice acoustic and just sing something like that's that's all someone needs to hear to kind of go okay right that's the quality of vocal I want for this song I'd love to do a duet with someone and this is the vocal I need for that um so yeah, I, I'm actually kind of committing myself this year to do a bit more work where I just show my voice because yeah. I've gotten a bunch of, I've gotten two or three beautiful opportunities in the past few weeks that I have been starving for, for yeah. ages and they've just come my way now and I'm really excited about it. But it's only because I've been putting myself out there and the Tommy Tiernan show showing my vocal as it is just on yeah. its own was really, really helpful for that. Totally, yeah. Um, And then in terms of like, uh how I work with musicians for session work a lot of that on this album was done by my producers so I have a group of musicians that I work with 
quite a bit consistently. Yeah. Um, and they're used to they're used to my way of working, which is in a room together. I play the song. We get to a part where there's meant to be an instrument instrumental break, and I'll go, okay, so it's meant to go. Da, 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 da. And like, wait, 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 what's that first note? Sorry, what? Da, da, da. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And we just kind of trash it out together and like figure out how what I'm thinking translates into how their instrument works, um, which is yeah. challenging and it's not the easiest way of working, but I find it's a really nice way of embodying the work. So like, you you would like sing the lines that you want the different instruments to play and then you kind of go back and forth until they capture what you want. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, as I say, I'm really lucky with the producers I have that they're able to read between the lines to a certain degree with what I'm what I say I want and what I kind of sing. What like I on this album with my demos, I use GarageBand on my iPad to record arrangements. And then I sent them like breakdowns of like what this harmony is, what's this chord, you know? And they were able to kind of go, they they they're like much more technically musically skilled than I am. Mm-hmm. So they were able to kind of go, okay, right, if we're gonna transcribe that, here's that chord. And they'll go, there's a clash here. It's a bit dissonant. Do you want that? Is that intentional? Yeah. And I'll be able to say, yeah, yeah, that's to emphasize this. And, you know, then when mm-hmm. it resolves, it goes to this kind of thing. So I think like if I'm going to give anyone any advice on that front, if you're not skilled with music theory, find someone who is because not everyone speaks your language yeah. um, and work will move a lot faster with session musicians. If you can get someone on board who knows what they're doing on that front. But if you can't find someone to do that stuff, um just get nice clear recordings of yourself doing your parts and send that on everyone works in a different way and a good session musician generally will be able to work with whatever you're offering them it'll be it'll take a little bit longer it might be more expensive but they'll generally be able to to work with whatever you give them yeah I mean part of the reason I went back to do 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 the degree was so that I would have the skills to be able to take on more session work that if someone sent me you know, the, the score of a song or whatever and said, here, we need back and vocalist tomorrow on this or whatever. I could just jump in, you know, yeah. so I'm just trying to build that up now. So like I came from a background myself of like I played in a band for like eight, nine years, you know, and gigged and released an album and all that stuff. And I didn't really know much about music theory, just a bit from school and that, you know, Um but I'm really learning so much now in college. Like, so I think it's it's really valuable to like even have a base knowledge of music theory, like learn your chord progressions. Absolutely. Know, at least know your keys so that you can like talk to the musicians that you're playing with. Yeah. I wonder, is there like a music theory version of Duolingo? Because like it is a language, you know, it's like an app that has a passive aggressive owl that pops up every day and says, <laughs> hey. Hey, have you looked at your circle of fifths today? Hey, (laughs) you know, it's all that stuff that like, there's all this language. I think the the biggest barrier to education is language. Um, Like the thing that put me off, and I've never really pursued theory properly because I've always found it so daunting, the language around it. And I think I've spent, I've spent a lot of time around musicians who have so much skin on that front, who will just throw these terms out willy nilly and expect you to understand what they mean. Yeah. So like I know in college, like, oh yeah, sure, it's just a circle of fifths. And I'm like, that doesn't mean anything to me. What do you mean by circle of fifth? What's a fifth? What's a, what do you mean it's a circle? What? Yeah. <laughs> so I think learning to break all those things down to the absolute basics and an, an app like that would be great actually. I must find out if there is one. Regis. Right, there are there are lots of apps to help with like music theory stuff. I don't know there's definitely ones like for like training your ear our world you know to like hear chord progressions and like intervals and all that kind of stuff so I'm sure there's like a really good website uh music what's it called musictheory.com I think it's called hmm. that one's good like you can it has those little quizzes that you have to like pick the notes and the chords and kind of oh, okay. little questions and stuff like so yeah. yeah there are definitely apps out there you know Maybe yeah. could we design a, a new one? Absolutely, I'd be up for that. It's just, I just, I would love something that kind of gamifies it in a way that like it's consistent and you can see your progress, you know? Because yeah. that, like same with like learning a language, you know, going into a classroom is a totally different experience or even going onto a, just like a website and trying to do quizzes isn't the same as having something on your phone that you check in on every day and le- little by little, you don't even know you're learning something but you're just taking stuff in. I'd love, I'd love to be better at theory. I just need to figure out a way of getting there. Yeah, little little by little, as you said, like, you know. Mm. Um, so what's the plan then for this year? Have you got a plan or are you kind of just winging it? I'm kind of winging it, to be honest. <laughs> um, there's, there's three or four projects I'm involved in for the next couple of months that all have very tight turnarounds. Um, 
but they're all really different. They're all really interesting. They all explore very different sides of my voice. One of them is a musical theatre project. One of them is a classical kind of Gregorian uh, chant type project. Mm, cool. Um, so, you know, two very, very different exercises. Um, aside from that, I mean, I you know, I have tours and gigs booked, but yeah. realistically, we <laughs> don't see them happening. So yeah. I'm just lining myself up with, um writing projects and I've got a bunch of research I want to do actually the world the universe is kind of steering me toward a few different research projects and I've got two two projects that explore women in Irish history um one that explores um, a man in Irish history um and there are areas that I've wanted to get into for ages so I think this year is the year that I sort of dig into our sort of pagan and religious um kind of background culture. and culture and, and and really get stuck into that and maybe write a few songs on my own around that area of things so because you're you speak Irish don't you did you did you grow did you went go, was your school a Gael talker yeah well so I went to Gael school in Limerick uh, yeah, in secondary Gael school and I went I went to the Gael talk most summers um but as I'm sure a lot of people are the same I feel like I've totally lost touch with it since. So like I still have the couple of folk, like I can have a conversation, ask mm-hmm. Elga, but I'm very rusty and very out of practice. Um it's so, lovely to hear you speaking it though, you know. I know you you do speak a little bit of it here and there, you know. It's Yeah, it's I think it's important to have it in there. Like anytime I've traveled abroad, I've always felt like I'd love to have more of my songs as Oscar Elga that I could kind of communicate that just share the language with the world because there's still so few people out there that understand that Irish is a language and it's yeah. our language and it's so it's a very intrinsic part of our cultural identity. So um yeah, it's nice to be able to do it when I can. And I've got a couple of friends who are fabulous Gaelgors who helped me out kind of rewriting stuff and translation stuff so that's part of the goal you know I'm winging it this year but there's these little kind of drops here and there that I I know little goals I just need to firm those up I think yeah very good well I mean you didn't know what last year gone out was was going to Mm. bring and it just ended up being amazing for you so I suppose it's really about being open to um to collaborations or you know opportunities and kind of yeah um, for sure just being open to saying yes to things as you say yourself not like what um yourself when when things come up and letting whatever it is out when it starts it's it's like something in your in your chest is like poking you (laughs) and you just have to kind of let it out would you have any advice about songwriting and yeah like what if um somebody like can't finish a song? I'm not talking about anyone in particular. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think it's it's such a strange. Like I've done workshops in songwriting and I've all this kind of masterclass stuff, and it's such a subjective process and it's such a personal kind of a delicate process as well. You know, um, I think you kind of have to allow it to happen, like. If you can't finish a song, go away and start a new one. Like, and it doesn't have to be brilliant, but just don't like, don't self-edit. Go away and just write something else. Just like, you know, a one minute ditty about how much you love coffee, if that's what it is. Yeah. And just switch tracks for a couple of seconds and and just allow your brain to switch off because you can get into this awful state of like being really bogged down and trying to finish this thing. And you never know when that spark of inspiration and will come back again. And you'll know exactly what it is, exactly what the the last chorus or the last verse needs to be to, to really round a project out. Um, but if you force it, I find you can wind up with something that you don't love as much as you should, um, or that doesn't do justice to the message that... I, I was reading a book called, I think it's called Dancing with the Stars or Dancing with the Gods. Um, I'm not 100% what it's sure what it's called, but he, okay. he talks about like this idea of like you wrote a song that you don't like now but you still have to love the song because whatever sparked the initial inspiration to write it is important like that was important and it was what it was and just Mm. honor that and allow it to be Um, and if it's a thing that you shelf it never come back to it fine but like what I will say is bird song is a song I wrote in 2016 and I shelved and then came back to it last year and it's become what it is 
So you just you just never know. So just allow songs to to be and to live their life. That song has had like I, I started writing that song technically in 2012. Wow. So like you just never know. Yeah, it's like keep all your ideas in like a little book and mm. you know, don't get rid of I always say that as well, even to like students who do a bit of songwriting. Don't throw anything away, like because you might come back to it again, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be amazed at how much stuff comes back to you. And when it does, like if if you have an idea, if if you find yourself singing a song you wrote 10 years ago to yourself, like, and you never did anything with it, revisit that. Like, mm-hmm. obviously something in it has connected on a very, very deep level and it's very important to you. And there's nothing like seeing a musician on stage singing something that they really love and that is yeah. really important to them. So even if it's not the technically the best song in the world it can still if it resonates that much with you it probably resonates with other people and that's what I think songwriting and performing is about absolutely yeah so that's it then what's your plan for the rest of the day oh I think we're going to take our little bundle of mischief to the park I have a dog by the way that's not a baby that's not a baby (laughs) um we're trying to get her used to hopping in and out of the car so little trips to the park where she has like that kind of nice positive association with the car would be great yeah um so I think we're going to do that and outside of that I know there is a bunch of stuff I was meant to do I'm I'm studying up on this script for this musical I'm I'm singing in and trying to get that into my brain and my bones a little bit um so yeah that's that's the main thing Lovely, yes. I think dogs are such great company. Like they're, we have a little dog here in the house, like a little half Shih Tzu, half something else. <laughs> and they're such so so cute. Like they're like little little like kids or something in the house. Yeah, it's I, occasionally I just stop and look at her, and I'm like, you are this small, hairy, four legged creature that lives with us, and that's so weird. Like, <laughs> so you're this bundle of like purity and innocence and play, and that's all you are. And there's something so admirable and amazing about that. And you just, you let us dress you up in stupid clothes and <laughs> project our weird human emotions onto you. And like, you just don't deserve them.